This is episode 205 of IDRA Class Notes. I remember when I just registered the kids for the first time, and they said, Miss Bristol, let us know anything you need. Well, I didn't know what I needed. When we get the kids, we don't know what we need. And a lot of times we're in survival mode. The first recommendation I would do is know who those grandparents are. Really notice them, target them, make them your priority because they're lost. They don't know how to access you. Give them the choices that you're able to. Greetings, everyone. This is another interview for our series at IDRA. And today I'm going to be talking to Mercedes Bristol, who is a grandparent raising her grandchildren, and she formed an organization. And so I want to start off, Mercedes, why did you start this organization? What is the title of your organization and why did you start it? The title is Texas Grandparents Raising Grandchildren. And the reason when I started is because of my personal experience that I had through CPS and through the system trying to get custody of my five grandkids that were taken away for the third time. And so at that time, I knew that there was an issue with the system and that there's an issue on how grandparents' rights are affected and what rights do they have, which soon I found out that we had no rights at all. So that's why I started this organization. And CPS is? Child Protective Services. Okay. So what did you find out in terms of the numbers in where, where we live in our county? Well, in our country, we have 2.7 million grandparents who are raising their grandchildren. In the state of Texas, we have 249,000 just in our state, and it gets broken down from every, every city. So it's increasing every day with the opioid crisis that, that has happened. And now with the pandemic, it's even worse. So what is some general information you've seen that the grandparents you're connecting with have in common? What are some issues in terms of that these grandparents have in common? The first one will be financial. Their financial issues that they have, their barriers of taking care of all of these grandchildren. Sometimes there's one child, sometimes there's up to eight, nine children that they're, they're taking on. And a lot of the grandparents are already on a fixed income. They're either their social security or their little pension. And a lot of times the cases that either closed prematurely where the grandparents uh, don't get the, the financial assistance or the parent just leaves the child with the grandparent. The parents leave the children without any food stamps or Medicaid or anything like that. So it's very common for these grandparents to struggle getting them in school, getting them registered for their immunizations, anything that has to do with medical. If they don't have the right paperwork, then they cannot provide for these children. So in terms of the education then of the grandchildren, what are the most pressing needs that grandparents face? The pressing needs is that the school sometimes don't understand or they might not know that this child is now living with a grandparent or that the grandparent doesn't have the right to register this child in school. So I think that the school should be helping the grandparents. And I know that they're increasing now that they know that this is an issue. Uh, there's affidavits that they can be given to, to the grandparents, and, and there's other measures. So I think the schools that are very instrumental for these children to get stabilized as quickly as possible, to register them in school, getting them the help they need. The other thing, Aurelio, that we have 
an issue with is that these children have been traumatized and they've been either abused or neglected and traumatized. So a lot of times they go into the schools and they have uh, behavior issues. And we don't know how to deal with that. As grandparents, we think they're disobeying. And here they are, they can't really focus or they can't, they have some learning disabilities. So I think the school is instrumental also where they can assess these children, give them the help that they need. And, and they're not just misbehaving, but sometimes they have issues that they have to overcome. Well, with your own grandchildren, how many grandchildren have you raised? I've raised five grandkids. My 18-year-old just left as she graduated, as she turned 18, but I, I have four left at home. So I've had the children for nine years. What have been your greatest challenges? I just spoke a little bit about it. Is their mental health issues. When I got them, I didn't know that four of them had ADHD, attention deficit disorder, and uh, hyperactive attention deficit disorder. So uh, learning was a, a challenge for them staying focused in school. And when I learned about these uh, labels, which to me was very, very disturbing that now we have to help these children overcome those uh, things that they come with and have to put them on medication. So that was one of the biggest challenges to be able to accept the fact that these children needed that kind of help. So what do schools have to become more aware of? And what needs do they need to address with you and with the other grandparents? Well, when I registered the kids with one of the NISD schools, the staff was so instrumental to my kids' well-being. The counselor invited me to a session called Attachment Reaction Disorder and RAD, and I didn't know what that meant, but I really soon learned how the, the baby at the time did never attach to her parents, so she was having attachment disorders. So her misbehavior was defiant to me, and I didn't know why. So learning how to have her attached to me and how to build up that bond with her really helped us both. If it wouldn't have been for the school directing me to that, I would have never known that. The other thing is, you know, they gave me a book on a hyperactive disorders. So I learned how to deal with the now the 15-year-old, which is still misbehaving, but at least I know what his symptoms <laughs> are and what I can do to de-escalate the situation. So the schools are very instrumental, have been instrumental to me in teaching me and coaching me and directing me in the right way to go. And in terms of what are common issues with the grandparents you deal with, how many of the other grandparents would have been able to attend and even understand the kind of workshops that you attended? The school has been an instrument to me, the, the support groups that we do, because we bring in not only the information that they might need other than what the school can provide. A lot of times if the school doesn't give them the information of of ADHD, of why the children is misbehaving, then we at the group talk to them. If they're having issues with their grandchild, we'll tell them, did you go to the school? Did you ask for a 504? And they say, what's that? So it's special accommodations for the children, which now they go in through some screening to find out, you know, if this children is having a learning disability. So putting them in a 504, getting them diagnosed is very important. So we give these grandparents that kind of information and support to be able to speak to the, the school districts. Do the majority of the grandparents you work with understand English? 
the majority do, but we have about maybe, no, maybe about 30 to 40% of our grandparents that don't speak English. They're very challenged and they're very intimidated by the schools. Also, how, how do you serve those parents? How is your organization working with that? We now have relationships with other organizations. We build community here. And so we refer them. There's a lot of mm, volunteers. There's a lot of organizations that are no cost that will go and, and talk to the grandparent. I do a one-in-one. I do a lot of one-in-one coaching with these grandparents and then give them the resources. I've gone to art meetings with them or at least give them a paper. What are art meetings? They're the meetings where the principal, the vice principal, the social worker, the grandmother, if there's a therapist already, we all come together. And I don't remember right now the the name of the ARD, but it becomes a 504, which is a special accommodations. But we sit there and then we brainstorm what's going to work for this child. Okay. And so your experience with your school district, Northside, has been very positive. What are the other kinds of experiences that other grandparents are having with their school districts? Well, I said it was positive at the elementary level, right? When it came into middle school and high school, it's been challenging because uh, at that point, it's harder to get all the teachers that are involved with this child because now they have six, seven teachers and to get them all connected and get them all at the same place, it's more difficult. It's been more a challenge. With the high school, I've had a a big challenge getting the 15-year-old some of the services that he needs. And so now these children are saying, I don't need this, I don't need this. And the school's not going to go too much against what the kids are. So they're not really taking my consideration of what I see and what I go through. So I had some challenges with NISD also, especially in the high school district. Other grandparents... I get phone calls and they're telling me they're not listening to me. They're not doing anything. They're not letting me speak to to anybody. And like you say, especially when they don't know the language, they don't know where to go. So they just comply. You know, they just resign that nobody's going to help them. And now with the COVID, with the virus and all the, I mean, all the instruction is happening from distance learning. You have Google Classroom or whatever. What's been your experience now with what has happened with the current crisis with the virus? Oh my goodness. It's personally, if it's been challenging for me, I've heard of other grandparents and I can only imagine them not being able to get on Zoom or on all these uh, platforms that the school has provided. It's been challenging. I mean, I I can navigate the computer, I think, okay, but I had to have my 11-year-old help my nine-year-old with homework because um, they were sending all these assignments and then you have to go to part A, and then you got to go to part B, and then you got to go to part C to find the assignment. <laughs> and then I didn't know what to do. So my 11-year-old was able to help me with the nine-year-old. Uh, no one helped me with the 15-year-old. So he was just saying, I can't find it. I don't know where it's at. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And so a lot of the kids I know weren't even getting on into the assignments. And uh, I have a couple of teachers, uh, friend teachers, and they're saying some of the kids never even got on the computer. So the grandmother's clueless of what's going on until they get the report card. And I know that there's a home access center for NISD. So every week I would get on that, on that website and check their homework. So I was able to email their teachers and find out, you know, I see that this, these assignments are, are missing. Have you actually graded them or are they really missing? 
And so sometimes I get back that they were missing and sometimes it's that the school wasn't putting them, you know, the teachers weren't uh, recording them on time. So then I have to ask a question to the district. What is the responsibility of the teacher? How long do they have before they enter the information? Because I go by that to be able to say whether my grandkids can go to a football game or, you know, whatever they, they're, what they want to do. So that was a challenge for us to, to What kind out. of technology did you have at home that your grandchildren could use for their work? NISD provided one Chromebook for every three children. So I, we have two Chromebooks here at home, but I know some districts didn't have that opportunity. Do you have your own laptop? I do. I have two laptops that, uh, that were working. So we have four laptops and uh, my, my desktop. What was the situation for the other grandparents, as you could tell, in terms of their tech skills and what they had available at home? They didn't, especially those grandparents that didn't speak English. I mean, all they have was their phone, you know, and sometimes their flip phones. They don't have the smartphones. So they were very challenged on how to get into any platform. So then what services and what kind of communication do you think is needed from school districts, given the, the current crisis and the grandparents? How many grandparents do you have organized right now? How many support groups do you have? We have 11 support groups through our Bear County, Castroville, Bernie, and uh, New Braunfels. We're just going to start our 12th one, which is going to be in the Dallas and Fort Worth area. And what we have been doing also, and I think the schools need to look at creating trainings for the grandparents and in Spanish and English, you know, I think the training them, if we would have been better trained before the pandemic. I think that the grandparents could have been a little more savvy on this. I think financially providing the, the laptops, the, the Chromebooks will be a great asset to the families because they won't have them. And also the internet connections were really bad. So how are you personally accessing other grandparents? How is your, your, your organization doing it? How are you doing it right now? Right now, we do a lot of Facebook. We do a lot of emails. We do a lot of uh, texting to get them to the information that they need. We're providing 120 boxes of food a month to grandparents that are 60 and over. So we send them text messages on where to pick up the food and what time somebody's going to be there for them. We do phone calls. We have some volunteers that are actually calling all those that, you know, speak Spanish and getting them connected to whatever they need. We also have a closet called Antonette's Closet, and so we provide clothing for grandparents that might need some clothing. And so as you organize these groups, you said you have support groups. How do your, your grandparents support groups operate? How do they, how do they function? In a typical school year, because we have most of our support groups are in the school system, so we go through from uh, September to, to May, and then we, we are on vacation for the three, three months. So what we do is we, we have a location, and uh, we come in, we have our little cafecito, and we have our little pan dulce or whatever, and as the grandparents uh, show up, and then we have a guest speaker whether it's from Medicaid, from Child Protective Services, from, you know, utility assistance, from whatever we think that the group needs. And we have the same presenter for all the groups. And uh, we give them information. And if they have any issue with Medicaid, we know where to send them. 
So it's basically a support group where they network, where they know that they're not alone. But yet at the same time, we were actually starting a book called Five Languages of Love for Children in one of our support groups. So we educate and we also empower and, and give them the opportunity to, to network with one another. So to summarize our conversation briefly, what are some recommendations you make for schools right now in terms of grandparents that are raising grandchildren? I think that the first recommendation I would do is know who those grandparents are. Like really notice them, target them. I mean, make them your priority because they're lost. They don't know how to access you. So if you give them the tools and ask them, what is it that you need? And not only ask them, but going to uh, when I just registered the kids for the first time and they said, Miss Bristol, let us know anything you need. Well, I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know they had learning tree. You know, I didn't know that they had the bus that would come pick them up. Nobody had educated me of what services the school does. So, you know, maybe giving them a pamphlet of, of the services that they might qualify for. When we get the kids, we don't know what we need, you know, and a lot of times we're in survival mode. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.